welcome to episode 25. Check out what you can expect this week. Um, and I think that one of the things that we have to be weary of... Wary of? Yeah, we are weary of it, but we need to be wary yeah, of it. That sounded right. That was close. So if you teach a class about tanks, you are my hero. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, th- tag us on Twitter, because Josh wants yes. to sign up for your class. If the kids are out there using Snapchat... Sorry, you sounded like the oldest person ever at that stage. <laughs> if, if the kids, kids are, are out, there, out there... If the kids are out there using the Snapchat, then... It is that time, the High Tech Podcast. Welcome back, guys. Another week, another show, more talking between myself, I'm Josh, hi, and I'm joined by... Will. Oh, nice. Look that at was that. a yeah. wonderful, this is, laggy yeah, you like... lag. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, uh, should I say something, or is he just holding and waiting? Is he that there, was, uh... or is he... That was what are we what are we doing? Yeah, did he freeze or oh, there's a is there's he, a story about me dying on a podcast, sort of dying almost on a podcast back in the day. You almost died. Before podcasts were podcasts, yes. Okay. Yeah. So like radio show? Uh, well, it was a computer radio show, otherwise known as podcast. Known as a podcast. <laughs> okay, hold on. We we do have an intro question, folks, but now. You shouldn't have brought this up because I need to know. How did you almost die on a not podcast podcast? On a yeah, on the on a, a proto. It was a proto podcast. Proto podcast. Yes. A computer podcast. Uh, this would have been somewhere around two thousand and five or two thousand and six. I was uh, running an anime distribution website, and we had a radio show for the for the website. And okay. I was in the middle of the episode. I did not have a nice fancy chair like I do these days that can rock and swivel and pump and move and do this and that. I was on a okay. I was on a chair and and in the middle of it I fell off the chair. But on the recording end and like to my folks that were online, they heard this like huge crash bang whoop bam hoop owl crap moment. And all I hear um from my headphones that have of course fallen off my body is Are you dead? Are you dead? Please tell me you just died on my show. Where are you? You know all this, all this, this ruckus. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm totally more focused on what the handful of people who listen to this are gonna think when they heard on my anime show. Um, I uh... anime distribution <laughs> website. Thank you. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, before we get to our question, one other note, just a fun fact. Will I passed? Uh, so for those of you. Who don't know because you wouldn't know because you're not following me around all the time. I hope. Um, it's, uh, I was, it was at the beach this last week on a vacation, which was great. It was cool times. Good. I rode a jet ski. Um, not well, but I rode it. Hey. Um, and uh, if anybody asks, my wife, my wife tipped us. Um, oh, absolutely. That's a true fact. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe um, that. And uh, but anyway, I passed an anime store on the boardwalk. Ooh. It was like an entire store just for anime um and i thought of you when i passed oh. it i didn't go in thank you um, thank you because i didn't really want to buy anything but it seemed cool hey. um christmas and, is uh, a couple months an, away i'm ready the end of my story yeah exactly i'll go right back to that store. exactly thank you it's not like i can buy anything online <laughs> there's no places for that um anyway the back to our uh our, our episode josh about? that was that was impromptu how many video games do you own yeah um so as if talking about anime didn't classify us as nerds enough, <laughs> um, we need to explain how many video games we own because we know you guys are wondering. So, um, yeah. So we just took a look real quick. For those of you who don't know, uh, Will and I's 
tastes now. We both play games on computer. You have an Xbox. You know, you're still living in the We today. both have a Switch. Um, hey, come on. Let's have a Switch. That's true. I don't, you know. You yeah. Well, that's a console. Don't even come for me like that. It is a console. Yeah. Oh, crap. I didn't even think about the Switch. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say over 200. Okay. That's the number I'm going with because yeah. I'm having a hard time calculating. Yeah. So we opened up our Steam libraries while we were thinking about this ahead of time. And I at least now I have like 190 something somewhere um, or 112. I don't we're not quite sure on how Steam's categorizing certain things. Um, so uh, I have 109 active games, I guess. Um, but uh, I also have a Switch, and I have several of those. I've been playing Pokemon recently. Yeah, um, I saw you got Sword or Shield, and you didn't tell me. Yeah, I got Sword. Yeah, sorry. I just I got it for the... We were going to the beach. I needed a video, video we need, game to we play. Need, so we need like, to trade, man. There's stuff you got to... Yeah, we do. I didn't know that was I've a thing. I've got Shinies probably for it. you. Okay. Well, yeah, we need to trade now. And um, this is where all the listeners drop off. No, I'm joking. Yeah, they immediately stop listening to us. I promise we'll get to ed- educational technology at some point, guys. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of those and uh, mainly other Switch games because I don't have any other console. And I think I got rid of most of my Xbox games. I, I think your, your 200 plus is impressive. Like, I would probably look at my lifetime games purchased and 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 just ballpark 300, right? But if you own 200 right now, and we know you've had consoles before your computer, like... I don't I don't even know what you've touched, right? Yeah. Now, it's the computer I've had for years now. Yeah. So it's basically like you've gone through two consoles in the time that I've had my PC. That's a fact. Um yeah. so yeah. yeah. I'm up I'm up at a solid 80 80 games on my computer right now, so between Epic's uh, Steam and and a couple of like individual downloads, yeah, I've got 80 on my computer. I still have a bunch of Xbox 360, Xbox One games, and then I have the Switch as well with that. So I'm gonna put myself at like 99 games, very specifically okay. 99. In other words, what we were really testing people is who has more of a life, <laughs> Will or I. The answer is Will, um... not Josh. <laughs> um yeah so uh it's cool uh if you listen to us and you respond on twitter um you should tell us how many games you have Ooh. i say this stuff now and uh nobody's done it yet so if you're listening come on i i think you we know somebody has a twitter I out think there we started trying to, to like us. engage the twitter side of things about three or four episodes ago maybe five and i'm gonna tell you right now those are still sitting in the editing queue so oh really <laughs> okay well i'm sorry folks i'm not angry at he's you. still gonna um, chastise you but i'm gonna chastise you so Go to at High Tech Podcast at Twitter and uh, tell us how many video games you have. Yeah, I'd love to hear. Great. Love to engage. What's your favorite one? All anyway, those good stuff. Yeah. So, um, well, if that wasn't short enough for you, we want to pivot to wasn't. our conversation today <laughs> on how to create short form instruction and, of course, why. Right? Why do we do short form? What What do we What do we mean? Right? The who, what, where, why, yeah. and when well, of short. The form. answer's easy. Will you just don't go on as long? <gasps> It's that easy? Episode done. Solid. Bye. Peace yeah, out. We're finished. That's Just all we got. Sign off now. I lied. There wasn't a lot of educational technology. Um, one of the things <laughs> that I think is really um, interesting about instructional practices, having worked as an instructional designer uh, for seven and a half, eight years at some level or another, I, I've seen faculty who teach Spanish, engineering, theology, math, uh, reading, writing, <laughs> English language acquisition, and and they all have, and we we all have right. This is a podcast. This is a long form conversation, right? But we all have the proclivity to go on, go long, keep talking, pro- provide more content, provide more context. Um, and I think that one of the things that we have to be weary of, wary of, 
Yeah, we are weary of it, but we need to be wary yeah. of it. That sounded right. That was close. Is the impact of like time on instruction. Like the more time you take to communicate something, the less likely it is to be clear, the less likely it is to be received and understood and, and held on to. And so we're just here to kind of say like, hey, a 30-minute lecture is still a 30-minute lecture. Do it. No problems. But another tool in your toolbox is this idea of doing short form instruction. And I'm going to say it's going to go from as small as what we might call micro learning, you know, minute to three minute instructional content pieces. We'll get into some details on that, but like one to three minutes, upwards to 10 to 15 minutes, right? Like considering that you can package your learning content in those smaller time frames, um, you might still give all of your instructional content that you've packaged down into 10 and 15 minute lectures across an entire hour and a half or three hour class. Like I'm not saying you don't like you just go in talk for 10 minutes and that's the end of class. No, I'm saying preparing a lecture content or, or a series of slides for 10 or 15 minutes and then doing an activity, doing a collaboration, doing some group work, doing something else, and then maybe returning to another uh, 10 to 15 minute bit. Do you see this kind of stuff in the online courses, like the sequencing of materials and, and the breakdown like that? Yeah, I mean, I do. I think um, not always well, um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, obviously this concept you're talking about, like micro learning, right? It it uh, I think some of it really I can't track this perfectly. OK, so if I'm wrong, forgive me. Um, but I think a lot of it just tracks out of the mobile experience that affected learning, like how, and there's, there's been a lot of talk around how you, you know, designed for mobile experience area. Um, so that's one concept of why, why you see this, I think, especially in an online blended format. But um, I, yeah, I mean, there's this idea of like chunking out what you do. And we've talked about this already on the podcast where we talk about lectures and we talk about video recording, um, yeah. not doing these super long videos, but it doesn't just apply to video content it applies to the way you break out the learning in your course um the amount of times i've seen an instructor give like you know 16 different resources that the person has to read and then they go to this activity and um or they have this massive pages of text and explanation for an assignment um and they're basically supposed to sit down and process all of this at once and then do this super huge activity um, so I like the way we're actually kind of talking through this in my area right now, like taking this idea of lessons and thinking about how do we break out elements of that, right? So like we have maybe some shorter videos or video that the student can watch at different points. And then we have some sections and the whole activity doesn't necessarily need to be done in one sitting, but are there ways that you can break out elements of the activity so that they can, they can work on parts of it. Right. Um, and so I go back and forth on, on how far we do this. Um, because I do see a push to where like people start like breaking down everything into three minute blocks, right? And sometimes there's you do need students to sit down for a period of time and do something or, or engage with something. But um, I think it's just thinking about how can we break out the different elements of what we're doing into building towards something big instead of doing the whole big thing at once. How do we build into it? And sometimes that it references what we talk about in uh, designing for online learning scaffolding where we take a project and we break out elements that build up to that bigger project um, but even thinking at a lesson or activity level like how do you break out that activity into the chunks of what it is yeah. um, and guide the students through that process um, as they're doing it how do you okay you want to teach about um, 
the uh, history from the 1800s. I don't know. I'm making up <laughs> stuff right now. But I, like, you want to you teach out this whole obviously, right? You're not going to teach, or like, you want to teach the history of the Middle Eastern conflict. That's a short topic, right? Um, right. Like, I'll have people be like, I can't explain that in 15 minutes. You're right. You can't. You can explain it in sections of 15 minutes right. with a, then an activity. Because some of the short form learning, it doesn't just mean, okay, fine. I had an hour lecture. I release 15 minute videos of that lecture all at once and they watch it in different sections. Right, right. It, it means, okay. <laughs> here's all this micro you learning. Release, you're going to do it one time. Here's all this micro learning. Um, no, uh, it means you release set, you know, short videos. Then you switch over to an activity that they can do that forces them to engage, maybe reflect on the content that you've given right. them, yep. then pair back in. And there's other science behind this to argue that like, it's also good for people to move on topic, like change topic, change what they're doing every now and then. Um, it keeps them engaged in a different way. Like I have a lot of background in public speaking and like the, in my opinion, the people who do that well are the people who know to keep moving to, like not necessarily change their entire topic but keep moving right different movements of the topic um okay. and, and changing up how they're communicating well um, and i, I yeah. think that the scaffolding metaphor doesn't get enough credit like we all we just it's it's a buzzword but it's also like saturated like it's almost people just oh yeah of course we scaffold like no no no, no. seriously scaffold <laughs> like when you think about building a building and the metaphor that that can be for curriculum instruction like if you need a three-story building, okay, you know you've got a plan there for three floors, right? But then floor one has to have all of its rooms. But even before you get to floor one, you have to lay a foundation, and you might need a basement and some crawl spaces. Like, there's so many layers to a building that when you scaffold or if you consider designing the structure of a building, like, that's applicable to academics, and, and how we need to consider the fact that if I'm... I, I mean, I remember a class I took, a survey of American literature. It was from... 1465 or the 1460s to, to 1776 i think that was survey of american literature one and then survey of american okay. literature two was post-revolution into the 20th century that's both of those are 300 years of history clearly the instructors are taking some time to break that down into you know micro learning or, or short shorter form learning than just 300 years worth of content but the point there is that we need to be able to look at our content, even if it's not that, if it's World War II, if we're doing an entire class on World War II, you know, you need to know the movements of that that are significant to what you're trying to communicate, what you want the students to learn, and then be able to chunk those down into modules that are comprehensible, you know, whether those yeah. modules are battle by battle, our geographical region, um, are, you know, maybe they're about the, the materials, like the, the, physical war materials used however you organize your course when we advocate for short form instruction it would be to say okay if you're going to do a unit on tanks break it up and keep that content you know all about tanks but maybe one tank gets 15 minutes and another tank gets another 15 minutes. this is sounding like a great class you, i'm so interested can, i was gonna say first of all i am really excited about a class that's about tanks if you teach a class about tanks you are my hero. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, tag us on Twitter because Josh wants yeah. to sign up for your class. Yes, yeah, so I want to sign up for your class. Um, also, you can tell we don't teach those topics very often because <laughs> Will, Will's over here like, do you got to do a whole unit on tanks? Meanwhile, a history teacher's over here. Why the frick am I doing a whole unit on tanks? Uh... Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, somewhere there is. Um, but no, the, the other thing I want to mention, too, is um, 
one of the things that I think is the careful line to walk, right? So we've been talking about this both. I think, Will, you were kind of referencing in class, and I want to come back to that in a second. But um, talking about online specifically, if you're doing online teaching, whether you're doing uh, – I think this is applicable to whether you're teaching in an academic setting or you're doing what Will now does in areas where he's doing e-learning um, in anywhere from corporate settings or things like that. Um, the – the point of this being is there's a fine line to walk. I've seen people who've gone extreme with micro learning, mm. where they basically break everything out into these small little activities uh, that students are doing. And what you end up with is an overwhelming course with like 35 activities because they have, they're like, I broke this all up. See, now they can all do it in individual sittings. You're right. In individual sittings for the rest of their life, yeah. they will finish your Here, course. Here, watch, watch these 101 minute videos. What? Yes. What? What? What now? What? Huh? You also, and the, the thing to be careful <laughs> That's not is effective. the side effect of that is you you break up and disjoint things too yeah. much, right? So, like, you can break up content, but if you break it up too much, they lose connections between it or they lose all of that. So, there's a... Well, and this is why design is difficult, right? This is why designers yeah. exist, instructional designers, learning designers are out there to help faculty with this because it's, it's not easy. It's not something that's taught in... Um, you know, your area of interest, like an engineer is not taught this necessarily about instruction or curriculum, right? So it's important to have uh, folks like us that are alongside of you to help with that. But it's actually like, spoiler alert, we are planning two upcoming episodes to where we want to dig into this and, and kind of show some ideas about how to be designing. Because if we just tell you today, go out and create short form instruction, here's some ideas. Cool. I, I, we do believe it's helpful. That's why we're doing it. But it still does leave you asking, how? How should I actually do this? What should I do with my class on tanks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's the, uh, it's interesting because this connects to some of what I'm doing uh, in like the team that I work on in our work environment. Like we're, we're working through kind of a model of how we, we deal with all of this. And um, I think some of it is just like, it's finding like where, it's it's finding how to just walk that line carefully of i think the biggest question i think I, i'm starting to learn to come to all of this is okay what is it like in that that unit like let's just take a week right what is it that that student the big question the big thing they need to wrestle with or deal with and they need to learn and then how do we how do we break it up so that they get progressively towards that like a journey almost yep. um and uh and that's where, you know, like tying this back to our video game question, right? Like people make fun of video games, um, but video games do this well. Like they uh, have whole sciences behind doing this. Yeah. Uh, where like they progressively, you know, put on training wheels. They progressively get you doing things, doing small elements, and they build towards something bigger. And hopefully you don't die at the boss at the end. Um, like in the course, I think it's as simple as like, okay. Well, maybe I want them to interact with this video content. And out of this, they're going to maybe read these elements. They're going to do this activity. How do I guide them through that process? Instead of just giving them massive paragraphs and videos, how do I say, okay, here's watch this video. Look through this. Here's this 15-minute video I gave you. Then here's the reading that's going to build on top of this. And then as you're working through that, the next piece of this activity or lesson is, okay, you're going to respond to this discussion. You're going to do this. Um, and it's just it's chunking out, the I think, the steps of what they have to do and what they have to engage with um, so that they can sit down and watch. Maybe they watch that 15 minute video that was part of that activity and they go off and do something else, especially in an online space. And then they come back and they do the reading, right? That they're supposed to do. And then they go back and they sit down and they do all of that. That was all one lesson and activity, but there were sections to that and it's guiding the student through those sections. 
I'm really happy you said that. And I'm going to we're I'm going to do a little bit of like a podcast exercise here. It's almost a trust exercise. Josh, if you would open up a calculator on something. This is going to be a, okay. an insightful I think a calculator? moment for us all. Now, when you get that al- calculator open, I'd like you to take uh, the number 1,893. Okay. 1,893. And divide it by 24. Okay. And the result is? The result is Seven. how many days I've spent playing one video game. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dang. And that is? 78.875 days. Yeah. Instructors, when's the last time <laughs> you spent 78 days <laughs> focused exclusively on one thing? <laughs> right? I, I've been playing this video game since 2018, right? What's the game? Ascension. And it's okay. it's a it's a it's a card game, and you can play it. Hashtag ace- not a sponsor. Not a, yeah, another hashtag. Not a sponsor. Uh, it's a card game. You play it asynchronously, so like I can take my turn whenever I want to. So every day, I pull up my phone when I'm waiting for my coffee to brew. I pull up my phone when my wife's driving us somewhere. I pull up my phone, uh, you know, when I'm between things, right? And I play for three minutes. Two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes at the most. I mean, I rarely ever play more than six or seven minutes at a time. And yet, since 2018, I've put in 78 days, I think you just said, of of playtime experience in this video game. No, it's not one-to-one for academics. I'm not, I'm not advocating even that your students should spend 78 days uh, of time on your content. Nobody should. But... If you take the, the, the um, I think, hopeful compa- helpful comparison here is that if you give your students micro-learning, they can get to the bigger picture mm-hmm. through the same practice, right? And so um, one of the inspirations for this very conversation was this idea that I spoke on a, a, while, a while back involved with a learning management system we, we used to use. Uh, something called Snapcasting. I just kind of had this idea of like, hey, okay, if the kids are out there using Snapchat snapchat to communicate with each other and it's and it takes them s- sorry you sounded like the oldest person ever at that stage <laughs> if, the if the kids, kids are out there out if the kids are out there yeah. using the snapchat then sorry continue your what is probably a very profound idea that i just interrupted no it's perfect that's exactly what we're here for <laughs> um <laughs> if they're using snapchat and they're communicating in 10 seconds 15 seconds 30 seconds worth of material and hey tiktok everything's less than a minute and a half right uh, the tiktok um <laughs> But yet we do podcasts, right? Josh and I are doing this right now. Plenty of people listen to podcasts on their commute uh, just because they're interested. And podcasts can be anything from 15 to 45 minutes, an hour and a half long. Why can't we meet that in the middle somewhere? This idea of like getting micro learning into smaller bursts, right? Getting getting your ideas, your lecture content. You know, it's it's great that you have an hour and a half with your students Tuesday and Thursday. But why don't you make a quick video update to them on Friday? Like, hey, this week went really great. Um, we got through 15 tanks. I thought we were only going to get through 10 tanks. And could you imagine what happened with those German tanks in the front line? Like, could you imagine what would happen with those? Josh is like falling off of this chair. We're still talking about tanks. You know, but if you did that, that little bit on Friday, the students are still going to listen. Like it's, it's, and if it's only a minute and a half or something, like they're going to be interested in why you have something more to say that might tie the whole week together. So the easiest way you can apply short form instruction is actually just do that and just keep your regular practice. 
teach however you've been teaching, keep your lectures as they are, but on Fridays, post a minute and a half summary of what you did that week. That's going to capture their attention and maybe get that same conversation coming with those students um, if you provide a platform for them to respond. Yeah, and all of this, you know, we've referenced a lot about their times and what they're referencing, and Will and I are coming a lot from an online perspective blended where you've got students who are doing things at home, they're doing things in their dorm, they're not sitting in the class with you uh, all the time, some of the content they're doing is outside. Um, but this isn't just about their schedules. It's about how people process information. It's about how people learn. It's, uh, yeah. they don't, like, while it's, there are plenty of studies to show this, and it's like we ignore it, um, <laughs> the, to show that, like, yes, you people can take things away from very long lectures and things speaking, um, but the ability for people to take things away from that depends a lot on how good the person is at speaking, um, like public speaking. And a uh, dozen other variables. And a dozen other variables. And, and the uh, longer like, you go, the more of those variables are important. Yes. And uh, so the problem is that it's just, it's not always working. And it works, there's much more studies to show that chunking things out, putting them in a small burst, changing up what you're doing is going to help the students a lot better yeah. to retain what they're doing and remember it. And it, like Will said, if for those of you who do have physical like classrooms you're meeting or you're meeting in online you know, sessions, like you can keep some of those longer lectures. You can keep some of those things, but put into that smaller activities, chunked out items, um, something that can be done. It doesn't have to be done in three minutes, but maybe it's a five, like Will, you said, like it's a five minute video summarizing what you guys talked about that week. Yeah. And then maybe that leads into an activity that they do to reflect on what you learned and you focus in on the things that you were really important out of that lecture, because I know everything you said you think is important, but it wasn't. Um, and so <laughs> the focus and, in and even as important the, as it is all is likes talking, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Neither of us like talking. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know what you're no, talking about. But like the point is you said, just said, Josh, like everything that you just said is important, right? But only the things they remember. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's valuable. What they remember and what they retain and what they use is the most important stuff that you say. And so, if they lose eighty percent of your content for some reason or another, it, you've lost the value of your message. Yeah. And it leaves now. My go ahead. no, go ahead. Uh, well, go. I was just gonna start a awful transition pun. So, if you've oh, got something okay. relevant to say, one, say one I'll last, do the pun one last later. Note. One last note, right? Okay. Um, just again, practical illustration, um, which is you do a lecture on 12 tanks, you know, <laughs> what six of those tanks? <laughs> I feel topic. attacked. What, what, what six of those tanks were most important for the next thing you're going to talk about? Give that five minute summary of that and then have them work through. I lost it. See, I had a great illustration. It fell apart. So with the, with the concept of talking about smaller things right doing little doing little things um we decided for this episode that we were going to bring in some what we call honorable mentions okay um now if will and i were better at podcasting we'd have a button i'd hit it and it'd go honorable mentions honorable mentions mentions mentions, 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 mentions. mentions. okay that's what you're getting right now but basically what we mean by honorable mentions are these are our tools or apps that were not big enough to warrant a whole episode section by themselves. It doesn't mean we don't love them. It doesn't mean they're not special to us. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're not going to use them. It just means 
they're kind of simple. Um, and yeah. there's not a lot to talk about. Most of our apps are, you know, Labrador retrievers. These are yes. teacup poodles. These are te- teacup poodles. Yeah, it's a thing. I don't. It's, okay, I guess. A small I'm, dog, a very small dog compared small, to a big dog. Small dog. Yeah. Well, some of the episodes we t- some of the the apps we talk about are like big burgers. Okay, <laughs> and these these are appetizer meatballs okay like they've oh. they got a they got a stick in them they are delicious I could go for we love them meatballs. we'll eat like hundreds of them but it's kind of done the second we get a hold of it you know what i mean it's not a journey yeah it's it's a, a short experience so with all of that wonderful uh explanation that i'm sure everyone needed um and with super short form um <laughs> will Oh, why don't you talk about your first honorable mention? Because we kind of we have two, right? Yeah. Each one you and I have some experience with, but one you have more than I do, and one I have more than you do. Hashtag not a sponsor. Autodraw.com. Uh, Autodraw.com is a really cute and easy little tool. It can be great for um, having your you and your students like create things while you. But you could use this to create icons, imagery that you could use in your uh, in your slides and powerpoints, etc. Autodraw very simply is a website where you can use your mouse or if you had you know a touch ipad or something like that something something with a a stylus you could hand draw on it but it will take whatever you crudely draw and suggest to you vector images that look like what you've drawn so we've done this before where i did like a triangle and it gives you like you know i've done a crappy one that's not equilateral at all and it provides you an equilateral triangle that you could copy and paste out. That's wonderful, right? So you don't have that crappy stick figure looking. But it also, like, if you put some lines in the triangle, it'll suggest to you an image of a pyramid. So these are all black and white, small, like, icons, vector graphics. They're not pictures. It's not, like, generating, you know, AI deep fakes or something. It's just like, hey, if you draw a crappy little stick figure, it'll suggest to you a black and white stick figure that you could use instead. So I just think it's fun. I mean, there's some there's some AI that's happening there that's really interesting, and you can play with the algorithms to see if you can like make it do a hat versus uh, a camel or a beaver. Like I don't know, but um, the value I think is definitely for like creating instruction. It makes it easier if you if you know you want something that looks a little bit like this. You're just not a good drawer. You can start drawing like what you want, and it'll give you something you could put on your your PowerPoint or your slideshow. If you're yeah. Just a note here. I'm testing it as you're talking because I enjoy playing with it. Um, I just drew the worst gaming controller in history. Perfect. Um, and the uh, game it immediately picked it up. Yeah. Uh, no, like it was just it was a bad controller. <laughs> no. I mean, although I will say my drawing of a controller kind of looked like a GameCube controller because I'm sorry, Nintendo, but whoever made the GameCube controller was using crayons and was high. <laughs> um, so, um, but. It, immediately picked up the controller it was really cool um i drew like an animal that had a tail and a head and immediately gave me a cat option perfect um it was cool it was uh yeah it's it's like you said it's using um kind of ai to pick up and make suggestions which is kind of cool could be fun to do for like testing ai as an academic purpose it could be fun just to have like prep drawing stuff like see if your students are getting better at drawing if they can get the ai to pick up exactly what they're trying to do uh, again, you could just use it for, you know, good good icons, good imagery in the work that you're creating. So I, I can think of some fun ways to use it. It's free. It's just a website, autodraw.com. No no credentials, no crazy stuff. 
Um, that's it. That's why it's an honorable mention. You know, it's something that I want to make sure you know is out there. I would definitely share with folks who um, were trying to use it, but uh, it, it's really not something that's going to take a whole lot of, of information. Yeah. Accessibility concerns, right? It is visual visual arts. It is visual graphics. So um, I'm not sure how it would play if you had a, a student with a disability related to eyesight, et cetera. Um, but there's definitely ways that you could, um, I think, modify or accommodate that if needed. Cool. Yeah. So very fun. Go test it out. I was having a good time seeing how horrible I was at drawing. Um, <laughs> my honorable mention um, is called wordclouds.com. Not Hashtag a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Um, so again, simple tool. It's just a website. Um, and uh, we've, have we mentioned word clouds before? I don't remember. We talked about that. Answer garden. That's a concept. Answer, answer garden. That's right. So answer garden. We talked a little yeah, bit about that. We did an episode on answer garden. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Um, so we talked about some word clouds. So uh, wordcloud.com was another one that came up when we were talking about word clouds that we were going to do. And then we decided not to, um, <laughs> because it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, basically all you do is you go to the website, uh, you can add in text, upload a word document if you want, um, anything like that. And what it will do then is create a word cloud file for you. Um, so it's just an image. Um, and the student in, in it, uh, using it, can specify uh, what size it is, how many words it's picking up. Like you can tell it to do less words. Um, so it'll make the word cloud smaller, stuff like that. Um, they can select font styles, uh, things of that nature. They can theme it, um, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it can be uh, very useful for obviously a lot of different reasons um, from uh, trying to get main themes out of brainstorming with people, uh, taking documents. Um, like I've seen people use it as a like um, in class shared notes and having students upload it to get common themes out of the notes, um, things of that nature. There's a, there's a lot of different reasons. I, we've already kind of talked a little bit about how word clouds can be used. So I'm not going to go into a ton of detail in this episode about it, but well, and um, what you just said immediately has me thinking like, Oh, some of my favorite poets, what would happen if I took a whole bunch of their poems and put it in there? Like what would yeah. be the top words that come out of like Anne exactly. Bradstreet? I'm, I'm imagining Anne Bradstreet right in the middle, big word suffering right below it, a yeah. bigger word sorrow, like <laughs> happy. No, I'm sure. That would not be on the um, words. <laughs> exactly. That would be what's there. Um, <laughs> No, uh, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I mean, like we have uh, classes that have scripture and things that they're doing and stuff like that, and people put it in to get common themes out of it. That's um, cool. There's a lot of there's a lot of different ways you can use it, um, and I've seen people use it and they share it with you know have students share it with each other so they can see common themes, um, a bunch of different things. Uh, you can we answer garden we brought up once because students could put in questions. You can see the major questions that they have. Again, similar idea. You can use word clouds to do. Uh, a similar concept. The thing I like about wordcloud.com though is it's just it's super simple. The website's been around for longer than I've been alive. Um probably, I don't know. Um it's just uh it's just there. It's, it's designed to do just that and it, it just doesn't does have any class. So yeah. yeah, we don't you know, this is the thing about honorable mentions, guys. The experience is short. That's all you got. Um, short form instruction tool. this week. Woo short form instruction. So I encourage you to go check it out. If you want to use word clouds for any reason um, in your instruction, wordcloud.com is a great solution uh, that you can send to students. Uh, if you want to draw horribly and it not be horrible at the end, um, go check out auto draw um, from will. Uh, it's a good mention. I, I need it. I can't, I can't draw. So this is the tool yeah. that helps me create stuff that I, I, I want. I am bad at drawing as well. So yeah. um, I even need it just for circles. Like if I, <laughs> exactly. I can't do good circles. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
So go check it out. Again, uh, like the wordcloud.com, just another mention to tie it back to our short form. Like that's a great thing to do if you want students to start preparing for writing or things like that. It's a great way to have them pull out themes uh, in a text that they're they're working on or they're addressing. Um, same thing with, with AutoDraw. If you just want them to create some images and slides and things, AutoDraw is a great tool that could uh, they could jump in and start using. So thank you, folks. Um, we're trying to get better at this, so please do subscribe and leave reviews on uh, your favorite platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, etc. We really appreciate you listening and stay involved with us. We'd hope that you can share this with a friend um, and that it can help them. We know that we speak generally to faculty in higher education, but of course these tools and these ideas uh, could help out your K-12 colleagues. Connect with us on Twitter, at High Tech Podcast. The website is hightechpod.us. We thank you so much. That was at High Tech Podcast. Yeah. Uh, just in case yeah. anybody missed it, we After... did a high tech and a podcast. <laughs> a high tech and a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but it happened. Until next week, when we come back to discuss again how to harness technology in the physical and digital classroom, this is Josh and Will. Until next time, see ya. See ya.